Hi, everyone. Welcome to Oscar Wild, a podcast about film, always counting down to next year's Oscars. I'm Nick Rokraut. And I'm Sophia Simonello. And we are back for a little mini update on award season. A lot has been happening. We didn't have a chance to talk about the Golden Globes and Critics' Choice nominations updates, but we are back today with even more talking about the Oscar shortlist that just came out today. And with us to do that, coming back all the way from our Oscar reaction episode is Bennett Prosser. Welcome back, Bennett. It's good to see you. Hey guys, good to see you too. And hi, everybody listening. <laughs> I they all miss you. I was going to say, if if you have a lot of new listeners, which I assume you do, like as you've grown and developed so much in your second season, I was a semi-mainstay on the first season. Uh, you've had a lot of incredible guests and crossover podcasts with others, so I come with the fewest credentials, but I know that when you invite me on the pod, it means that you're getting down to brass tacks, and it's time to talk about the real Oscar business. So I'm very honored to be back and excited to catch up with you guys on everything that's going on. Yeah, welcome back, Bennett. I almost said like Bennett is back, like that Julia Roberts, Lucas Hedges <laughs> cursed film. But yeah, we're so happy to have you back. I feel like you are our awards correspondent. And yeah, now we're in the thick of it. And before we get into Oscar shortlists, we've done a segment before and we ask this question of our guests, you know, what is one thing you're wild for? But we're going to go through a couple of movies and things that we think the critics groups seem to be wild for right now. And the first movie that we're going to talk about is Nick's favorite movie of the year, Drive My Car. Our listeners don't quite know this yet, but Drive My Car, you have a special relationship with, but so do the critics in New York and in L.A. It won Best Film at both, which is crazy. I feel like they don't agree that often. Usually they like splitting it up. Remember last year, L.A. classically went for Small Axe, the collection of films. Um, <laughs> but yeah, let's talk about Drive My Car, the Hamaguchi film, one of two this year, Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy being the other, and I think a great submission. Bennett, you haven't seen this quite yet, but what do you make of it winning Best Film in both places? Yeah, I have not seen it yet. I'm eagerly waiting for it to make its way to the Midwest whenever that might happen. <laughs> but yeah, I think it does, like you mentioned, it's not common for the two groups to agree. It, this actually becomes kind of a running a running joke that they are actively trying to go different routes and prove that they have different taste between the two groups. So it's really interesting to see them go for the same film, particularly a three-hour Japanese film that up to this point was definitely a critical favorite seemingly but i didn't regularly hear kind of best movie of the year or people going long on how much they loved it as much as we talk about the other oscar main contenders but i'm very excited to see it when the day comes that i can i think it's gonna come to my city uh, for one night only in our local like cinematech so i have blocked off that night for myself and i know it's gonna be a long night nick how do you feel about this movie <laughs> In the way that we mostly don't agree about movies, I think you're going to love this. I agree with that. Where we stand as polar opposites, this falls neatly in that. Yes. Okay. I think especially this being, I mean, I know Parasite won for LA a few years ago, but a Japanese movie that feels like much more of a slog than Parasite was is super shocking. There is a lot to be said in the movie, and I'm not the one to talk about it, so... <laughs> 
I think this does speak very well to its chances at the Oscars. I know this is really giving me my octopus teacher vibes where it's winning everything throughout the season and it ends up winning. Yes, that was in documentary, but I'm already feeling like it's running full steam ahead and it could win best international feature in a year that has so, so many that I love. I agree with you in maybe like the sweeper sense, but to me at this moment, I mean, Drive My Car, I would say is my second favorite contender in the category outside of worst person in the world. So I would be fine with it winning. I do feel like it maybe has taken the slot of the international film that might break through in the Oscar race this year. I feel like at the start of the year, maybe around the time when the Cannes Film Festival was going on, we were looking at A Hero or The Hand of God or a couple of other ones that were around that time and Drive My Car was there as well. And I remember people talking about if maybe with the 10 wide Best Picture field, if we're going to get more international features in in the post-Parasite world. So it seems to make kind of stealthily, to me at least, become that film that maybe, you know, the slot in Best Director that recently has gone to a director of a non-English language film that could go to Hamaguchi, seemingly. Is it just a big critical play? Maybe. But it seems to have really taken that slot and sort of out of nowhere, even though I only heard positive things, but there was no consensus that it was going to be the runaway frontrunner for all of us. Yeah, and we'll talk about Titan later, but I think, you know, Drive My Car winning screenplay at Cannes, but Titan being buzzier, winning the Palme d'Or, having Julia behind it, you know, it, it being this shocking film that audiences were talking about, other filmmakers were talking about, I think that kind of really took, at least in my mind, the discussion away from Drive My Car, which made it feel like this stealthy contender. But now I do feel like the path is kind of clear in front of it for it to take spots in other categories. And really with the directors kind of that we have who are getting nominated in other places, I would be perfectly fine with Hamaguchi taking a spot. I'm not sure how much weight this holds for the Oscar international feature category, but I think it is important to note that A Hero won the NBR Best Foreign Language Film and then at New York... The worst person in the world won. So at least I'm hoping for nominations there. If Drive My Car is just the runaway winner before nominations are even announced. I think next let's go to, I feel like if you've been listening to this podcast, you know that this is my favorite by now, but The Power of the Dog. It's currently leading all categories on Metacritic's award season scoreboard, which is a really cool tool you can look at to see kind of who's racked up points with nominations and wins. And I think that we kind of expected this with critics. We expected it to be this big critical play. But I'm wondering from you guys, like, do you think this is going to last going into industry awards? Or do you think it's just a critical hit? I do think it's going to last. I don't know what else has sustained as much praise and showing up everywhere at the Globes and the Critics' Choice and a lot of other critic wins that I do think that it seems to be the front runner. Maybe not for a ton of like below the line categories, but I think for picture director, I definitely think that it's still maintaining its lead. Music to my ears. Nick, what about you? <laughs> I think we are going to end up seeing it in all of these categories that it's winning in at the Oscars, but I still don't think that picture potential to win is very strong. 
that feels more like a critics thing to me than an academy thing what do you think has a stronger route to best picture right now it's the same thing I felt a week or two ago when we did West Side Story. I think that has the most potential for a picture, but I'm still really hopeful for Campion and director. I think Benedict really has a shot in actor. I don't know about Cody's chances in supporting actor for winning, but definitely a nomination. And I think a lot of below the lines that really have potential, especially with some that appeared on the short list that came out today that we'll discuss later too. I think where I'm stuck and where I'm really hopeful that it is the power of the dog is thinking about the path to winning Best Picture and the awards that you collect along the way. I'm curious to talk with you guys about this. Like Jane Campion seems to be kind of doing the Chloe Zhao repeat sweep. Like she kind of has that feel going. And, you know, I also can see her winning adapted screenplay, maybe throw in supporting actor. I think Cody's chances right now to me are stronger than Benedict's. I mean, that to me feels like picture, right? Like those are big pickups to get. And West Side Story, I think, I mean, unless it goes Spielberg and Kushner gets adapted screenplay, but that feels kind of rare to me too. I think editing's going to Dune. So it just, it does kind of feel like it's starting to line up. The doomsday scenario, of course, is Kenneth Branagh getting original screenplay and that being the way for Belfast to get picture. Um, It is, of course, like doing really well. It's... It led the Critics' Choice nominations, tied with West Side Story with 11 apiece. I don't know how much clout we can give that group, but that's kind of how I see it right now. Yeah, I feel like we've been in a bit of a lull with Belfast between it premiering at festivals and then its release and everyone talking about it and how much they have strong feelings about it in either direction. And then it got kind of quiet while other films came out like power the dog west side story i think have come out since or at least i've seen them since and have taken up a lot of oxygen just in conversation so maybe in my head belfast has receded but i do feel it brewing again to come back especially with industry awards but i i feel like campion is building a lot more of a narrative than branna is i sort of think that the nominations should but will be the you know the reward for him and for the movie but i don't know it's scary it's a long season right the oscars aren't until the end of it march is long yeah these shortlists came out and the nomination period doesn't start for a month and a half so they have time to watch these but it feels so soon especially because of these shortlists mm-hmm. and all the critics awards and with west side story i feel like the box office is affecting it i think the what i'm reading from others and, and hearing others talk about is that they don't think that that's really going to permeate how the industry feels about it but like my stomach sank when the not only the opening weekend numbers came back but also the subsequent weekend you know up against spider-man we can see how it does over the holiday season and my background is in statistics so the first thing i'll say is that like there is no such thing as a flop like the metric of what a flop is doesn't exist in this moment and we can't define things that way but to see its opening weekend and then a week later to see spider-man's opening weekend was horrifying it was like 10 13 million was that it's It's like opening weekend box office Mm -hmm. and spider-man is the number three of all time right (laughs) so anything like many of the arguments are still very true but you know people went to see spider-man so there's Mm -hmm. there's some sadness there you know yeah I agree with you. I think that the West Side Story box office, it made me sad and it does give reason to pause. 
I do wonder like if it will have legs come Christmas time like this feels like a movie that you'll take you know your grandparents to or your parents to like it feels like that type of movie as opposed to Spider-Man but I also know a lot of theaters are pulling West Side Story they're pulling Nightmare Alley and Licorice Pizza and these movies that are coming in or that have been there for more screenings of Spider-Man. So I don't even know if it can do that. And I do agree. I think especially in the year that we've had now at this point, right, two years, it's like this could be a time when the Academy, you know, they could go with the critical hit, like The Power of the Dog, or, you know, they might be more likely to vote for something like Dune that made a lot of money that brought people back to theaters instead of something like West Side Story, which I really admire. I thought it was very successful, but I do think the box office is a big hurdle for it. And Sophia, you were mentioning Nightmare Alley, which I have not seen yet, but I'm curious where that lands or where it even is right now in all of this. It seems like it should be ticking a lot of boxes, a lot of like craft boxes. And, you know, it's Del Toro's follow up to his best picture winner. And it seems to have landed silently and is probably just going to leave theaters soon. It didn't show up in any categories at the Globes, but it seemed like a movie that could fit well into their drama categories. I mean, I'm curious how you felt about the movie, but also how it fits into everything. This was the biggest question we had all year. I think in predictions, everyone had it everywhere in picture director, almost like every category, almost like Belfast is now. And it really did kind of just come and go. Like we saw it and I didn't know that it even like came out wide last week mm-hmm. and i haven't heard a single thing mostly for bradley cooper who people are raving about like yes he's good but i don't think it's super awardsy i think kate is more awardsy but she always is it might be too dark for the academy as well and i don't really know about globes and why they totally shut it out but it did get eight nominations with critics and i think it's going to show up more so in below the line with the academy that dichotomy between the globes and the critics and how they reacted to this movie i'm very likely reading into it but much of the critics choice nominations were as many people have said copied and pasted from gold derby that it's just like the expected nominees are what got nominated Mm -hmm. including nightmare alley across the board like nikki were saying it was one that we all expected to be part of the conversation so it was on the lists and so it shows up here but i wonder if it not showing up anywhere at the globes is any indication to people who aren't necessarily doing the prediction game if it is just not striking with them at all nightmare alley for me it was just it's very cold it's a movie that doesn't really leave you with a lot of feeling at least that's kind of what i had and you always want i think a Best Picture nominee to be something that makes you feel something, ideally. That's how a lot of voters talk about these. And I think that it is technically really beautiful. I think that the production design absolutely should get nominated, maybe should win. It's definitely up there for me. But, you know, as Bradley Cooper, one of his number one fangirls, maybe in the country, I thought this performance was pretty wooden. I didn't really get much out of this movie until Kate shows up. And that's halfway through the film. So I'm wondering if like voters just aren't responding to it emotionally and maybe just think like, I don't know if they're thinking like, well, we just gave him Shape of Water. That was a few years ago. We're ready for something else. But yeah, to me, it was just like a technically pretty but empty film. And Disney's really screwing it over as well. I mean, it is Searchlight and they, for some godforsaken reason, decided to put it in theaters the same weekend as Spider-Man. But 
who really knows about that. And while we're talking about the Golden Globes, I'm curious from your two perspective, even from where podcasting exists in like the journalism world, how do you feel about talking about the Golden Globes and giving it airtime as opposed to completely ignoring it the way that most of the studios are like Netflix fascinating to see on Netflix's Twitter feed after the Globes and the Critics Choice get announced on the same day that they have a full thread praising all their Critics Choice nominations and not a peep about Globes and I feel like that was the place that I was looking I was looking to Netflix who seemed the most likely to ignore the whole deal with the Globes and just praise them anyway because mm-hmm. you know people following the Netflix Twitter account may not know what's going on but I'm curious from your perspective just where do you feel like we are in, in terms of even just talking about them and I apologize for, for bringing it up <sighs> no I, I think it's okay it's kind of the elephant in the room right I feel like our plan is to not cover them like we're covering other award shows and really only think about them in a way that is like looking at how others are responding to them and others being Kind of like you said, Netflix, stars who are nominated, people who win Golden Globes. I think I'm really curious what they do. Are people rejecting these awards? And is the Academy going to look to these awards? Because in years past, right, this it's this star-studded celebration that oftentimes the winners go on to influence the Academy voters. But, you know, this year there's not going to be that star-studded event. It's who knows? And we're not going to cover it in the same way. So I was excited to see, you know, Maggie Gyllenhaal got nominated for Best Director for The Lost Daughter. Mm-hmm. Really cool nomination, but she didn't say anything about it. And I think that says more than her getting the nomination for the movie. So I'm, I think I'm looking to stuff like that. But um, I guess we don't plan on covering it in a real way because the, the organization needs to improve. And frankly, I think they should have taken more time to do so. I mean, do the Globes ever really matter? Like, they're fun and it's this star-studded show yes but they all go to get drunk and have fun too and i think in just what this body is and yes it's evolving but i think it's just another group of nominations that we can look at that contrasts with everything else we have so i think in that way it just diversifies what we have out there and yes while it's fun to kind of go through the separation between drama and musical comedy you know Putting Emma Stone in for actress isn't going to happen at the Oscars. So, you know, you kind of have to take these with a grain of salt anyway. Yes, I think some of the categories are going to translate pretty well, but I'm always hesitant to like really trust these or really look at them and have them influence my decisions with predicting. Yeah, I think I think it'll be interesting to not have the major televised event you mentioned kind of like how much do these actually matter and i wonder even when if they they obviously announce the nominations they'll announce the winners like how much does it matter on paper versus how much does the telecast matter not only to us looking as predictors how much should be taken into account but also how much do oscar voters care you know how how much does a good speech for olivia coleman winning for the favorite how much does that endear her to an audience that might look at her performance differently? And and we, we all know where that went. I'm curious, and this, this is something I'm going to task you guys to do when you're home for the holidays. I'm going to ask my family if they know what is going on with the Globes or if they've heard anything about it. Because I'm expecting, you know, someone like my aunt in the Midwest to just be like, oh yeah, like looking forward to Tina and Amy and having no idea that anything's happening so I'm, I'm curious if that has 
made it out more or not. I'm definitely going to do that. But I will say, you know, when the nominations came out, I got a text from my dad about the Golden Globes, not about Critics' Choice, him asking me, what do you think of the Globe nominations? And then just he immediately replied, I'm very happy about the power of the dog in succession. So like he was just like moving on, didn't seem to really know, right, like anything about the telecast or anything else. So I do wonder about that. And I will continue to ask as well. And I think what you said before, Bennett, is interesting, too, because we've never had this before where we don't have a telecast, even through the writer strikes 10 plus years ago, they put together a ceremony, even if it was like very chaotic and loosely written so i think this is kind of just new ground for everybody and seeing if the academy awards are influenced by not only this body but other bodies too well thanks for indulging me in that in that uh, brief tangent on the globes see them again next year (laughs) see you later I think let's get into the shortlist. This was the big event of the day. You know, we're recording today, December 21st. The daily shortlist came out. We'll go through seven of the categories for the shortlist. We will not be going through the shorts categories for animated live action or documentary shorts. It's really hard for us to really, I don't know, give any really good information on them. We can get to them later when we get nominations. But so the Academy, every year we have shortlists that are released where certain categories are narrowed down and we get either 10 or 15 films in these categories and those are the films that can be voted on. Each branch does things very differently. Each of these categories looks different, but let's just start with documentary feature. The films that made the shortlist here, we had Ascension, Attica, Billie Eilish, The World's a Little Blurry, Faya Day, The First Wave, Flea, In the Same Breath, Julia, President, Procession, The Rescue, Simple as Water, Summer of Soul, or When the Revolution Could Not Be Televised, The Velvet Underground, and Riding with Fire. What were your thoughts, guys, looking at this shortlist? Any big misses? Anything you're really happy to see? What do you think? I think the big one that popped out to me that I didn't expect to be here was the Billie Eilish documentary. Mm -hmm. This did feel like a record number of documentaries about musicians that were eligible this year. We had Billie Eilish making it, but also ones about Tina Turner, the Sparks Brothers, and the Velvet Underground, which was also nominated. So I think that's interesting. Also very interesting is No Time to Die showing up quite a bit too. So um, (laughs) Billie Eilish's influence as a Grammy-winning pop star is um, very apparent today. And I think the other thing that really surprised me was the inclusion of two COVID documentaries. Last year, we did have one that was shortlisted, but didn't make it into the final nominees. So I'm curious if these will have the same fate as 76 Days last year. I think that they do have potential to get in. I I feel like maybe even the timing being different, that even though we're even more tired of the pandemic now than we were a year ago, I think that maybe we have some more creative acceptance of looking at it and and, and understanding more about it at this point than we did before. Um, I feel like documentaries maybe made this year about it have you know had just a little more investigative time. So I think that might be part of it. I also think that the two that we have are from maybe more established or known filmmakers who have had brushes with Oscar in the past. Nanfu Wang, who made In the Same Breath, has been shortlisted multiple other times. 
She did One Child Nation a couple years ago and is kind of a big growing name in um, particularly Chinese documentary. And then the first wave was produced by Alex Gibney and directed by Matthew Heineman, who made other, actually other other documentaries, Cartel Land, which was nominated, City of Ghosts, and he made A Private War, the fiction film a couple years ago with Rosamund Pike. Oh, yeah. So I think they have a little more of a pedigree as well coming into it that they might be able to uh, just have some more buzz around them and make it in. I agree with that. I think my first thing when I always look at documentary, whether it is with the shortlist or with nominations, when we finally get them is what's the big snub going to be, right? What is the award winner we see all season that just somehow ends up missing once we get the shortlist? And we didn't really have that to me today. I think I was ready for Summer of Soul to miss. (laughs) This shortlist is voted on by members of the documentary branch, and ultimately the nominees are chosen the same way by the branch, and they don't love archival footage. So I was kind of maybe expecting, you know, with the awards it had won, and the archival footage, that being like a kiss of death for this documentary, but it is here. Additionally, The Rescue, I think that being the other big award winner, I was surprised to see both of those here, but I think they do have strong support, I think both being here, but I wouldn't wouldn't be surprised if one of them does end up missing come Oscar nomination time. I was excited to see The Velvet Underground. I love Todd Haynes, and I think that this actually... While it has archival footage in it, it is put together in a really unique way that like says a lot about Todd Haynes. You know, everyone knows he's an incredible filmmaker, but I think this documentary was just a really good use of his skills. So I was really happy to see it here. I'll note for not the last time today that Flea is on this list, mm-hmm. kind of keeping tabs on it as it goes through the animated international documentary. The you know, the big question of how many categories can and will it get nominated in another one i liked to see was julia i don't think it's going to make the final five but i think that's okay another thing to note is that there are a lot of sundance movies that are in these lists it's like actually kind of surprising and i don't know if this is how it normally racks up but from here alone we have faya dai in the same breath summer of soul and writing with fire and summer of soul was the big documentary winner this year winning grand jury prize and audience award and then i'll get to another one that won an international feature it's i think just kind of fun to see those scattered in here we'll just have to see if CryptoZoo will also join the ranks <laughs> when animated features released <laughs> oh my god CryptoZoo, it's truly bizarre and then in international feature our 15 shortlisted films are great freedom from austria Playground from Belgium, Lunana, A Yak in the Classroom from Bhutan, Flea from Denmark, Compartment Number 6 from Finland, I'm Your Man from Germany, Lamb from Iceland, A Hero from Iran, The Hand of God from Italy, Drive My Car from Japan, Hive from Kosovo, Prayers for the Stolen from Mexico, The Worst Person in the World from Norway, Plaza Catedral from Panama, and The Good Boss from Spain. Notably here, I bet Spain is just having the biggest sigh of relief for getting in since it didn't put in Parallel Mothers. Is there anything else that shocked you or anything you have comments on from this category? Well, I think meanwhile, France is kicking themselves because they didn't get in for choosing the wild and difficult film that they chose, Titan. I think that that seemed to be when, when the shortlist came out, that was the headline that Titan had missed. 
Yeah, it was so funny. I was driving when these came out, and my sister started just telling me that the shortlists were out by telling me who the original song shortlisted options were. And I was like, wait, they're out? Tell me. We need to go to International Feature right now. And it was for that reason. I was like, I need to know. Did it make it in? And... I'm really disappointed. I know I said months ago at this point that the biggest hurdle that that movie would have would be making the shortlist. Mm-hmm. Like if it ended up on the shortlist, if the entire Academy got to watch it, maybe it would make it. Maybe people really would be just blown away by it, but it is a really tough sell. They did take a big gamble, you know, selecting it as their country's choice. But yeah, I was disappointed that it wasn't there. I wanted them to be bold and to go for it. I wonder if it is the victim of the Academy getting rid of the executive committee. So previously, when the shortlist was decided for international feature, it would be voted upon by the members of that branch and the top however many, let's say in this case, I don't know if there were always 15, but let's say the top 12 of vote getters would make it in and then the final three would be decided upon by this specially elected executive committee who would look at the rest of the films that did not make the top 12 and by a jury vote decide which three should also be added to the pool of the shortlist usually ones that are maybe more polarizing or more just they think are the best films of the rest that weren't as crowd-pleasing as maybe some of the ones that made it based on a um, consensus vote. So I wonder if under the old way of doing things, if Titan would have made it in on an executive committee. Uh, I loved it, but I totally get why it's polarizing that it wouldn't make the the top 15 in vote getting. I totally agree with that. I think those executive saves would have really paid off I think for a movie like that right like that's why they were created to make those types of decisions and now I think Mm -hmm. like the voting process for international feature is so different because it's open to the entire academy they just have to watch a specific number of these films and I even thought that might benefit Titan because it had so much buzz around it and they only had to watch I believe it was either nine or 12 of the 93 films to vote and now the way that it goes is the entire academy can vote for this category but they have to watch all 15 so i think looking at the category as a whole like aside from that big miss very very eurocentric we get that often in this category but you know seeing staples here like italy right of course the hand of god got in but also things like austria belgium denmark germany very very european And that's a little disappointing because we have so much space here for other countries to be represented. Yeah, it was sad to see Memoria not make it in from Colombia. And a movie that you all talked about and laughed about on a previous episode, Bad Luck Banging or Looney Porn Mm -hmm. from Romania. Yes, it's it's from Europe. Uh But that movie won Berlin. It won the Golden Bear at Berlin this year. Uh So it came in with some type of pedigree. Yes, the name is what it is, but it's supposed to be great. I guess that would not win a consensus vote either, but Mm -hmm. I was kind of sad that we lost it so soon. I know. We had so much potential here, right? Like, Benedetta obviously wasn't chosen, but would have loved that. Memoria. I haven't seen Bad Luck Banging or Looney Porn either, but just, you know, having countries, like, pick these really gutsy movies, like, that's something that Mm -hmm. I hope always happens, but... If they're not rewarded here, I don't know. Will it continue? I hope so. 
my shocking one is lamb, which I did not expect in any world to show up here. I'll finally go have to see it. Good luck. (laughs) The other Sundance movie I was mentioning here was Hive, which ended up winning three awards at Sundance in the World Cinema Dramatic categories with Audience Award, Grand Jury Prize, and Directing Award, which CODA had done in the dramatic category as well. So there's some parallels there. I wonder if the Academy is going to go for CODA. We might get there in a second. But yeah, I think overall kind of countries you expect to see. Bhutan is the interesting one here because it did submit Lunana last year and was disqualified. Um, oh. But this is their like first official shortlisted submission. So it's exciting for smaller countries that never really get recognized. What happened? It had to have been like a release date thing. That's what I'm assuming. Okay. Because last year was so strange. I'm excited for everyone to see the worst person in the world. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. So we had a question from Roy Mao. Should France have submitted Petite Mama instead of Titan? I preferred it, but I think Celine Siama is just more my speed. I thought this was just a really warm, lovely movie that made me, I don't know, kind of just fall apart. I really, really loved it. And I do think it would have been a smarter pick if you want to make the shortlist. But I don't know. I mean, I don't think I would have picked it necessarily. I think, you know, is the goal to make the shortlist or is the goal to pick the best film from your country? And I think if you're picking the best film from your country, the film that has, you know, is Julia Ducournau. I mean, she really kind of was the moment. Winning the Palme d'Or, being the first woman since Campion to win. Very cool. So I'm glad it was selected, even though I did prefer the Siyama film. It does feel super safe, but also in the same way that Titan is like too much for the Academy. I think both of them would have lost out either way. (laughs) It is interesting thinking back to our Oscar prediction episode where we were kind of like, this could be 50-50. It could go either way. But Mm -hmm. like you said earlier, it just depends on the shortlist. And I am still really excited to see Petite Maman when it comes out. I will say too, really quickly, while we're here, the Memoria omission upsets me more because I loved Memoria. It was just like so me and the sound design was so just stunning. Tilda Swinton, I'm always in her corner. So I'm excited for people to see it. Like if it ever comes to your town with whatever weird neon release strategy is happening, I really hope people get to see it because it is an experience. Now we'll move on to makeup and hairstyling. Our shortlisted contenders here, we have Coming to America, Cruella, Cyrano, Dune, The Eyes of Tammy Faye, House of Gucci, Nightmare Alley, No Time to Die, The Suicide Squad, not Suicide Squad, and West Side Story. What do you guys think of these? I was most surprised by the exclusion of being the Ricardos. I have not seen it yet, and... I suppose I will see it, you know, for Nicole. <laughs> I think it's on Amazon Prime now. Mm-hmm. It seems from just the the clips that I've seen or the trailers that there's some some levels of prosthetics on Nicole, not like maybe intense, but still very visible prosthetics. So I was surprised that it didn't make it in there just for being a high profile one that has a lot of makeup and hair. That one surprised me too, that omission. I think also Spencer, I thought about that maybe 
that movie has just kind of come and gone. I mean, it is in score, which we'll talk about, but I expected that to maybe be here, especially I know, Nick, we talked about makeup and hairstyling often going along with costumes and Spencer having really strong costumes. And I was kind of shocked to see No Time to Die here. I had to pause and just like think to myself for a minute, who? What? Rami's burns? It's for Rami. Like, was that it? Mm -hmm. That man just continues to haunt these Oscars for me. (laughs) Like, why? (laughs) But lots of notable ones that we expected, I think. House of Gucci, Eyes of Tammy Faye, Dune has really great prosthetic work. Nightmare Alley, this was the only place where we did see that show up. Mm -hmm. So notable as well, but pretty safe, I would say, overall. I think Coming to America might have been the only one that seemed left field to me. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen that. I do know I think there are some characters in it that might have a lot of prosthetic work, but in this branch, loves that. (laughs) They love prosthetics. They love Mm -hmm. age. Definitely. I don't know. Can we handle a second nominated Suicide Squad? I personally cannot. Same. (laughs) Because that means I have to watch it. More than the three minutes I already got through. Exactly. I think too, so for this category, just so people know... This is voted on by the makeup and hairstylist branch, and they have what we'll call a bake-off, where the creators here that would be nominated, they put together like a seven-minute reel with excerpts and interviews from the artists highlighting the work. Um, So they won't, you know, sit down and watch the whole movie. They can, of course, but they will go attend this presentation where they can see all of the contenders at once, and that's how they vote. So I think that's pretty cool, too. It's something to keep in mind when you're doing your predicting later on. I also like, for better or worse, that the makeup and hairstyling branch and the costume design branch seem to really go their own ways a lot of the time Mm -hmm. and don't just check off the best picture contenders in their category. So maybe that's where we'll get Cyrano. (laughs) (laughs) What in the world is Cyrano? That is slightly (laughs) facetious, but Cyrano is like the opposite of Nightmare Alley, where it was on all the lists, but no one knew anything about it, but no one expected anything, and then it came out, and it's just lurking, but I still know nothing about it except Peter Dinklage. Nothing. That trailer, which I just, I don't think, I mean, it's not selling me. I don't know, you know, I don't want to go based on the trailer, but yes, so many people have seen this and I just am like, where? (laughs) Every time I Google it, there are no show times. There's no like word of it being anywhere. So yeah, this will be another joke of the season. Like when and where will we see Cyrano? (laughs) Next up, we have original score. The shortlisted films here are Being the Ricardos, Candyman, Don't Look Up, Dune, Encanto, The French Dispatch of the Liberty Kansas Evening Sun, The Green Knight, The Harder They Fall, King Richard, The Last Duel, No Time to Die, Parallel Mothers, The Power of the Dog, Spencer, and The Tragedy of Macbeth. I think we have a lot of good contenders. What do you guys think? I'm crying out of happiness for The Green Knight getting in. Low nomination. It's the score is incredible, Mm -hmm. and the composer for for the Green Knight and all of David Lowry's films is Daniel Hart, and I think his scores for you know the five David Lowry films that he's done are some of my favorite scores of the past ten years. The Pete's Dragon score is very underrated. (laughs) That's a good score. It's a wonderful score. Mm So I'm I'm really really happy about that coming in. On the flip side, I am crying out of sadness that Luca didn't get in. Mm -hmm. 
for Dan Romer, who also did Beasts of the Southern Wild. Mm-hmm. And the Luca score is such a driving force in that film and really lovely to listen to and is, is a major component to why you're sobbing at the last shot. That and The Green Knight are maybe my favorite scores of the year, so I was really sad to see Luca miss. Luca was my most notable miss, too. I really love that score and was really sad to see it missing, especially because we had some contenders that I really didn't see coming where I thought, you know, Luca could definitely be there instead. I would even kick off Spencer and put Luca in. I would, too. Yeah. The French Dispatch also, I mean... I don't know. There are a lot on here that just kind of feel pretty standard Academy, going with the names that they really like. But The Green Knight, that's my biggest surprise. I love it. I hope it makes it because I think that every craft element in that movie, like everything below the line is just perfection. And the fact that it didn't have a huge budget shocks me. I do think Dune is still our front runner. Um, Happy with the power of the dog, obviously. So I think that's kind of my take on the category. Parallel Mothers would be a stealth contender to watch out for as well. And at one LA, yeah. Yeah, I'm seeing, a, I'm hearing a lot brewing about that. And the composer for Parallel Mothers, Alberto Iglesias, was also shortlisted a couple of years ago here for Pain and Glory as well. So he seems to maybe be a name that is getting more popular with the composers. They're pretty insular. So it's exciting too. I agree with those that you guys have said. My other shockers are Candyman, just for being that potential low nomination as well. But no makeup for Candyman. Like, I feel like that would be the category you would think of, would be hair and makeup, but anyway. And then also the tragedy of Macbeth, which we love to see. But also, like, why score, not sound? I just, (laughs) again, Mm -hmm. this list, like, perplexes me here. I mean, Carter Burwell, it's a very delicate beautiful score um that has a lot of tension brewing in it i love it but it is more subtle than you would imagine i think for a score for the tragedy of macbeth and i mean the sound work even the visual effects like i would have put both of those here so i'm surprised that this was the place where this popped up but burwell is kind of a coen brothers mainstay but also we're just seeing really well-known composers here the double zimmer because he did no time to die as well as dune oh wow and the double Greenwood. Mm. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Okay. And a really exciting shortlist we have here. Original song, mainly <laughs> because of the first name here. So may we start from Annette. Then we have Down to Joy from Belfast. Right Where I Belong from Brian Wilson, Long Promised Road. Automatic Woman from Bruised. Dream Girl from Cinderella. Beyond the Shore from Coda. The Anonymous Ones from Dear Evan Hansen. Just Look Up from Don't Look Up, Dos Oraguitas from Encanto, Somehow You Do from Four Good Days, Guns Go Bang from The Harder They Fall, Be Alive from King Richard, No Time to Die from No Time to Die, Here I Am Singing My Way Home from Respect, and Your Song Saved My Life from Sing Too. This is the category where I make a plea every year to the Academy to get rid of it. (laughs) Maybe they're back in my good graces with So May We Start. But otherwise, man, there are some choices that were made here. (laughs) Just an embarrassment of riches. What are you talking about? Are you talking about Cinderella? Sing two? Four Good Days. That's the... (laughs) Somehow You Do is the Reba McIntyre song penned by Diane Warren. So looking forward to you the two of you watching Four Good Days. We didn't know it was a Reba song. Oh, (laughs) yeah. 
the amount of star wattage on this. So Four Good Days is an addiction drama starring Glenn Close and Mila Kunis. And the song Somehow You Do, written by Diane Warren, is sung by Reba McIntyre. So Holy hell. <laughs> get them all on stage in the ceremony. Oh my god, Glenn's wig in this movie. I can't. <laughs> where where was that makeup and hairstyling nomination? <laughs> Good point. Yeah, so that somehow you do is the requisite Diane Warren listing here and I don't see a reason why it doesn't make it in. So, you know, we're not predicting, but just find a screener if you can. History shows us that Diane Warren, she might not win, but she's getting nominated. We had to watch Breakthrough one year for her. So I'm planning on having to watch Four Good Days. I've already seen Cinderella. So Nick and Bennett, I'm really hoping you guys don't have to go through that one. I think we have some picks here that we were anticipating. Billie Eilish for No Time to Die, a Bond song. We've been talking about this for years. She's already won a Grammy for this song. And if her documentary being in tells us anything, it's that she's loved by the industry and she's loved by the Academy. So, you know, I think we expected that. Be Alive, Beyonce. Yeah, there's a lot of star wattage behind most of these songs. You have, like you said, Billie Eilish, but there's songs from Beyonce, Jay-Z, Ariana Grande and Kid Cudi, SZA, Her, our reigning champ and then adina benzel sings some and jeff Hudson sings some so a lot of them from big names that would be great to have on the telecast if that happens which i think is why they're here also mm-hmm. <laughs> with yeah. you know how bad numbers were from the telecast last year they they need to find ways to up that and this is probably their best chance you know if you're attracting a gen z or if you're trying to attract a gen z audience who are you going to put on there i mean obviously ariana grande maybe the dreamworks animation movie but with the huge cast let's not even joke about putting dear evan hansen in there for the broadway lovers um Well, Nick, when I saw the anonymous ones, I thought of you immediately because on our episode when we talked about Dear Evan Hansen, you hated this song. It's a tragically bad song. Yes, I stand by that. It's not on the original soundtrack for a reason. I'll say that. I think I do think, though, if we really want to save the Oscars, we have baby Annette floating in the crowd. And so may we start is the way that we begin the Oscars. We have Marion. We have Adam. We have the Sparks Brothers walking in. That's how we start the Oscars. I'm just saying. Simon Helberg right on stage. So yes. So excited to see him. For all the, you know, the CBS watchers, the Big Bang Theory, people will tune in. Next up for sound, our shortlisted films are Belfast, Dune, Last Night in Soho, The Matrix Resurrections, No Time to Die, The Power of the Dog, A Quiet Place Part 2, Spider-Man No Way Home, Tick, Tick, Boom, and West Side Story. Notably, two sound adjective (laughs) named films here. You know, compared to last year, we had Sound of Metal, which had its own statistic running with it. So I wonder if those will make it. I feel like A Quiet Place getting in the original was a big win for it. But how do you feel about this selection, including Belfast? (laughs) Well, I was hoping that Belfast wouldn't be here because if the power of the dog was here and Belfast wasn't, it was going to calm me down, I think, to think that maybe, you know, Belfast isn't going to be this craft movie 
because I mean, we have reason to believe it could show up in production design, it could show up in editing, it could show up in a lot of places. Anywhere. So yeah, I think mm-hmm. that was a little scary to see it here. I think notably, right, Tick, Tick, Boom and West Side Story, two musicals, you know, ever since we got rid of the editing and mixing split i'm always curious how that will kind of fall especially because musicals i think usually went in the mixing spot a lot of big franchise movies here matrix resurrections no time to die spider-man no way home making it here i was pretty shocked by i also really thought that the novelty of a quiet place would wear off like i thought that was kind of cool for the first one but didn't really think it would appear again Mm -hmm. but here it is Mm -hmm. dune no-brainer That's just kind of my general, I think, overview of the category. But very happy to see the power of the dog. Very sad that some of my favorite options were included here, including Memoria. Yeah, interesting that Spider-Man is the only of the four Marvel movies to get in here. I don't know, I thought Shang-Chi might get in here, but it's pretty okay. Does Last Night in Soho have special sound? I did not see it. I didn't enjoy this movie, but I think that the sound work is good. The editing is the best component of the movie. It is, I think, really well edited. And sound and editing kind of go hand in hand sometimes with these. Exactly. But it wasn't one that I was expecting to show up here. I mean, they do love putting Edgar Wright movies in for sound. So it's not true. totally out of the blue since Baby Driver was nominated in both sound categories and editing. Which we mentioned before, which is where we could see Dune winning in sound and Mm -hmm. editing. Maybe, maybe not. I think Power of the Dog has a chance in those categories as well. I do think that seeing both Belfast and the Power of the Dog here is signs of their strength. Mm -hmm. In general, showing up in categories that they seem more like, we love this film and we thought its sound was good too Mm -hmm. type of citations rather than big showcases for better and for worse it's it shows up there i think something else to note here is that we potentially have five best picture nominees Mm -hmm. i don't know if that necessarily is going to play into a technical category but i think it's possible i'm curious to see where the difference is because i do think no time to die is pretty hard to deny here and they love this movie it got into so many of these categories today and i could definitely see it taking the place of one of those musicals in particular i would guess tick tick boom if i had to but i could see editing looking more like best picture than sound speaking of no time to die we got a question from the futurist Due to the numerous mentions of No Time to Die in the shortlist, do you think it has higher chances in above-the-line categories such as picture? What do you guys think? I think it has more promising chances than I thought before. I don't think it has a high enough of a chance to get in above the line because I don't know what above the line it would get other than picture. And that feels like a stretch based on what's competing for picture right now. Maybe if, I mean, Nightmare Alley missed sound, it missed score, and then maybe if something like that falls off later in the year, then it can come back if if they do a big push for it and kind of remind people how much they liked it and how kind of like end of an era it was. That I, I think it's possible. I think it's more promising than it was before today. Sure, I think it has some potential, but I don't think there's a ton for it. You know, maybe there's a chance that it gets into picture, but I think that's its only other chance besides below the line. 
And I think that's only because we're at 10 nominees. If this were any other year, I would say, no way, it's not getting in. And I still don't think it will, but I think it just has maybe like 5% more of a chance now, which is fun, you know, to play around with it. But I think that's it. Like I might put it back on my long list Mm -hmm. of options, Mm -hmm. but it's still in the extra zone. I will say this is something that definitely crossed my mind today when I saw all of its mentions here on the shortlist. It's hard with 10 because I think right now I have like eight movies that I'm really confident in um, getting on or like seven to eight. So I don't know how to fill the rest of that out. And if things like Nightmare Alley fall off or if things like The Tragedy of Macbeth fall off, like I, I don't know what those other films will be that take those spots. And, you know, one we could say is maybe Drive My Car. Um, but, you know, having a lot of support in these technical categories could push it up into um, one of those slots. I think it would be a fun Best Picture nominee. We can talk about deserving maybe at another time, but it is like a movie movie. And people were eager for that this year. I'm very curious how it will show up at BAFTA being a major British mm. property. What if Daniel Craig gets into actor? Like something like that could happen. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised. And it's the end of his era as Bond, big British icon. So I'm curious to see how it plays there first. But yeah, I'm not going to rule it out. I also think that we might be looking at just the right categories for it to do well Mm -hmm. in. That if we got long lists for everything, then maybe it's not, you know, hitting tens across the board like it is right now. If I don't see it on the costume design long list, I don't necessarily see it on the cinematography long list. You know, I think the categories that got shortlist today, I think, are the ones that it had the most likely chance to get nominated in anyway. So I think that might be skewing it. Other than you mentioned makeup and hairstyling, uh, you know, you know Rami Malek coming for your neck on that. But... <laughs> Well, yeah, it's funny. Like, if you do look at the shortlist today, you could look at a movie like Licorice Pizza and say it's dead in the water, right? Like, nothing. But the categories we have today, it's not even being considered in those categories. So it's a very funky snapshot, I think, of what the race can look like. But it isn't all-encompassing, of course. So let's move on to our last category, visual effects. Our shortlisted movies here, we have Black Widow, Dune, Eternals, Free Guy, Ghostbusters Afterlife, Godzilla vs. Kong, The Matrix Resurrections, No Time to Die, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, and Spider-Man No Way Home. What do you guys think of this list? It's really sad. (laughs) Here's where all four Marvel films made it. Congrats to them. Could be the four of them in Dune, and there's your nomination list. Especially because I feel like the kind of extras in the category, like Free Guy, Ghostbusters, maybe Godzilla... Matrix is still too new to kind of like know what the, the vibe is on it. But the other ones seem kind of like also rams. Maybe one of them sneaks in. It is fun to see Spider-Man here, especially since it was just widely released. So I think it's showing up is the industry agreeing with audiences. I think if we see any Marvel movie, it would be Shang-Chi or Spider-Man. Oh, God. Or Eternals. Oh, my gosh. But there are usually no more than two Marvel films nominated. So I think Dune's a lock. No Time to Die I would put in there, too. And then two Marvels and either The Matrix or Godzilla. Like, thankfully, I saw that a long time ago and forgot about it. And, you know, this is my list of movies to put on in the background. And I can't wait to do that for a few more from this short list. 
This one was really bleak to me because they really could have gotten creative. I think we've seen that before sometimes in this category, especially because this shortlist is determined by the branch's executive committee. So I would just expect a little more creativity. Like this look, this list kind of looks like Rotten Tomatoes to me. And I wanted the Green Knight here again, no surprise. Mm. And I kind of was hoping it could come through, especially because we had that beautiful talking fox and they love talking animals. So I was really hopeful that that was going to be here. And that was another one I was really hoping for. Tragedy of Macbeth. Like there were some really great movies here that could have made it on and they're just nowhere to be found. It's all comic book. I mean, you must be happy that Don't Look Up isn't here, though. So I do have a note about that. Yes, thank you so much. Um, That was thrilling to me, if we're being honest, because, you know, Belfast and the power of the dog showing up in sound, right? That's a sign of strength. And I predicted that Don't Look Up would be here and would be one of the five nominees, because, Mm -hmm. you know, if it's in Best Picture, like maybe there's love for it. Maybe people really like it, but not showing up here. It's a great sign in my world, for sure. I love that it's not here. Meryl Streep is laughing her literal ass off. Right? Like, (laughs) Can't wait for you to see this, Bennett. I can't believe I have to. Some people really like it. (laughs) I don't know. Well, Vice was my least favorite film of the entire year of 2018. Okay, same. We also got a question from James. He asked, what were your own chaotic shortlist picks and did any actually make it? I think we've talked about some of these so far, but do you guys have any others that you really were hoping for, either that got on or sadly didn't? I wish that the Green Knight had made it more. Like, that's my earnest pick. Um, my chaotic picks that I I replied to the podcast account uh-huh. tweet this morning with them, um, and I stand by them. They were Memoria getting into sound. That's less chaotic and a little more uh-huh. just never going to happen, but that would be nice. Annette getting into visual effects for baby Annette. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the backgrounds. I think about the sea storm background on the ship all the time. I was so entranced by that visual. I guess that would count as visual effect, but mostly for baby Annette because she's out of this world. So. <laughs> We love Annette. I, I, okay, of the other songs in Annette, So Maybe Start is good and fine, and I will I will root for it. There were other ones I liked more, particularly the song from Annette, or the, at least the track. It's not quite a song, but the track called Premiere Performance of Baby Annette, where I don't think she sings at all. It's all just Adam Driver seemingly, like, recorded as though he's standing in an empty room. <laughs> just yelling to the padded walls. Mm-hmm. He's like, without further ado, <laughs> baby Annette. And he's just going off on his own, and I crack up listening to it all the time. And then my last chaotic pick would have been old getting into makeup and hairstyling. <laughs> that one I sort of mean sincerely. I think the makeup on Vicky Creeps and Gael Garcia Benal in the mostly final scenes of that film is actually very impressive and added to a lot of the emotion of that scene where some people did feel the emotion there. So I wish those were never going to happen, but... I love those. I would say a less chaotic pick would be In the Heights, maybe in sound. Does it have any original songs? It did. The The end credit song is original, so that missing is actually... Yeah, I I wish that had a longer life than it did. Mm-hmm. 
it kind of fueled us through the pandemic and then it was just an early year release so that's probably why it's not here i mean yes cinderella was in song but we're not going to talk about that but i would say my very chaotic pick would be makeup and hairstyling would be like malignant oh my god uh, i love that (laughs) like how cool would that be there's no way they go for that. But like, you know, they put Godzilla versus Kong in for visual effects. Why not? Gabriel deserved more. Also visual effects. I think, yeah, seriously, kind of like you, Bennett, the Green Knight needed to show up everywhere for me. And I think chaotically, I wanted, this is this is really gnarly, I'm sorry, but I wanted Benedetta to get nominated in sound. I just saw that come up on my diary. I was like, wait, Benedetta. <laughs> I don't really know if I have to explain why, but the sound work is graphic and it is, it leaves nothing to the imagination. So I feel like it should have been celebrated here. It would have been very funny. And additionally, other songs from Annette, Hyperbole, Sympathy for the Abyss. We love each other so much. If that had shown up as the main submission from the movie, it would have made total sense. Mm -hmm. All right. That was our award season checkpoint for now. I think we'll be back pretty soon um, once we kind of get further into award season. Again, voting for nominations for the Academy opens Thursday, January 27th. They have a pretty short voting window. It's less than a week, closes on February 1st, and then we get those nominations February 8th. We will definitely be back to break those down and to predict those. So I'm excited to do that and to, I don't know, see more of these movies and learn more about what the industry likes. Hopefully it's the power of the dog. And I'm excited to catch up with a lot of these between now and then. I've been able to watch a lot of them, but some of them aren't going to get to me until sometime next month. So excited to actually see them with my own eyes and have my own opinion. Um, and then finally, at that point, feel okay re-watching things. And some other dates that I think are really going to go into play, we kind of talked about this earlier, but the Golden Globes are airing January 9th, which is before the Academy votes, but also BAFTA's voting actually closes on January 27th. So I think all of these bodies voting without knowing what anyone else is doing is really exciting too. So yeah, we have like one more month of somewhat calm before the really big storm but yeah lots to break down i'm glad we got to do this today and i'm glad bennett you're back with us Uh, i hope you join us again soon yeah thank you both so much for thinking of me again and reintroducing me to your audience excited to keep talking to you all about oscars things and get back into it i've been keeping all these thoughts in my own head bouncing some off my boyfriend but it's nice to kind of be able to go along with you guys about it so thanks for having me well thank you so much again bennett for being here today we will see you very soon and if you like our show please rate review and subscribe you can follow us on twitter and instagram at oscar wild pod thanks everyone thanks everyone see you next time Bye.